0: So it's a big passage today isn't it there are four main sections and I won't be able to probably give all of the sections uh, the due time uh, that they really uh, demand but in short I thought the children's story said it all I thought the children's story said it all and if we are children of God then we should Uh, listen uh, to what God has for us and just like the young people uh, he wants us to understand that uh, we're to follow Jesus not to follow him physically because he's no longer here he's in glory he's in heaven but we can follow him all the days of our life in the Spirit can't we and one of the greatest commandments there are many of them but one of the greatest commandments the greatest commandment according to Jesus comes and is repeated in Matthew 22 which is love the lord your god with all your heart don't be half-hearted with all your soul and with all your mind so where do we get our authority from we get it from the word of god don't we and we can be confident in the word of god because in 2 Timothy it says all scripture, even the stuff we don't necessarily want to agree with, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting they're some hard things aren't they and training in righteousness. We need to be trained in righteousness so that we can be effective for God. So that the servant of God, the man of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So I mentioned that uh, today's passage is uh, broken up into four places. The first section is uh, in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. We need to understand, and I think every Christian who has known the Lord for some time really does understand quite clearly that receiving the kingdom can't be earned it's a gift it's a gift you can't earn your salvation it's a gift of God and that's covered isn't it in this story of the rich and the kingdom of God this man when I read this story that Cindy just uh, read about seemed to start off so well because he ran up to Jesus and fell at his knees that's a good start I would think that's a good start and he recognises something about Jesus maybe he's heard a lot as many people had about the many miracles that Jesus had done that he performed in their midst and he says good teacher what must I do that doesn't sound too good what must I do to receive to have eternal life to attain eternal life we're gonna learn about this guy that he thought he was pretty good already but he just wanted to make sure that he was on the right path and he asked what shall I do to inherit eternal life (coughs) we're previously heard that we need to receive Jesus as a child we need to believe in him as a child but he thinks he's got something that he needs to do he wants something to cross off the list and although this man calls him good teacher for that is what he is it was customary to exchange flatteries to one another so if Sean said good Andrew I would say oh sure thank you thank you but no no you're good you're good <laughs> they would exchange flatteries that's what the rabbis would do Jesus does not engage in this mutual flattery as he may have expected but he gets him right where he needs to be the standard of goodness of course is the moral law Right? That's the standard of goodness. We all have standards, don't we? We have standards. We might not value the standards of some football clubs that we may or may not have heard of recently. But we have standards. But the sad thing is, we don't even measure up to our own standards, do we? We fail dismally, let alone God's standards. But God's standard is the moral law. And Jesus says... To him you know you know you know the commandments and Jesus doesn't even mention the first few like to honour God and to not have idols we all have those he starts with the easy ones you've probably heard people say I haven't killed anybody I'm a pretty good person I haven't robbed any banks lately I'm a good person And Jesus wants uh, this man to know what the standard is. And he recites the sixth to the ninth commandments and includes uh, you shall not defraud. Interesting, we haven't heard yet that this man uh, in the scripture is wealthy. But as Cindy read the passage, we discover that he's a wealthy man. And so Jesus says you shall not defraud. It was probably very difficult to become a rich man in Jesus' time without, in some way, for instance, collaborating with Rome and, in some way, doing shady deals. But we don't know that about this guy. The man says, I've kept all these things that you've just mentioned. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't robbed any banks. I haven't done these things that you've just mentioned. But yet it seems strange, doesn't it, that all this young guy's, young man's commandment keeping has still left him feeling insecure, hasn't it? All these I have kept, all these. Is he referring to just all these that Jesus mentioned? I think probably he hasn't kept the whole law because no one can keep the whole law. But he's definitely insecure about his own prospects for eternal life and he wants to know more. He wants to find out what that thing is on the list that he has to check off. And Cindy read that Jesus got him right where he needed him and he said there's one thing that you lack. If I was told that I lacked one thing I'd be pretty chuffed about that. I'd be pretty happy, wouldn't you be? There's one thing and Jesus is right here and I want to know so that I can fulfil this one thing. I want to fulfil and complete this one thing. And, of course, he's asked to sell everything that he has. And when you read this, you need to understand that Jesus is really meaning sell everything. Sell all of your property. Sell all of your possessions. All of your cars. All of your land. All of your houses. Sell everything. But then there's another command here. He says, then come, follow me. Jesus wants this man to do both, you see. Both. It means that if we were to sell everything and give it to the poor, we're not buying our way into heaven, right? Because sin still needs to be atoned for, doesn't it? The scripture says that this man's face fell so his chin ended up in his chest he was sad and it says that he went away doesn't say that he followed Jesus it says the opposite he went away because he had great wealth when I look at uh, Galatians chapter 2 in verse 15 it says We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law. So the disciples came to understand. Paul wrote about it. We need to understand that we think we can be good. We think we can obey the law. We can't. we're not justified by that but we're justified by faith in Jesus so we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law because by observing the law no one can be justified no one we still need a saviour who will take away, who will deal with our sin, who will take the punishment of our sin so that one day we will no longer be in the presence of sin. That's God's plan. The disciples were amazed at Jesus' words, amazed when they said, when they heard with their ears that this man and all of us are going to struggle to get to heaven by our own doing and even the rich which Jews understood to be blessed people of God okay so that the rich were deemed to be accepted by God blessed by God and if Jesus is saying it's hard how hard Laura told us how hard a camel the largest animal known in that region They couldn't reference any bigger animal and I don't reckon they could reference any smaller hole either in their culture. Impossible. Laura didn't say it was difficult. Laura said it was impossible and the scripture says what is impossible with man is possible with God. Even the disciples had a lot of trouble understanding this teaching and Peter couldn't contain himself. Peter spoke up and said we've left everything to follow you knowing how hard it is impossible it is to inherit eternal life without God. The disciples were amazed And I think before we came to know Jesus we would have been amazed as well to hear that there was no hope for us us good people no hope whatsoever. Peter speaks up he's concerned about what's going to happen but Jesus reassures Peter and tells him that he's going to replace what you think you've given up which is really not that much he's going to replace that with so much more how many of you Christians have travelled around the state have travelled around Australia have even gone overseas and experienced the generosity and the hospitality of your brothers and sisters in the Lord you're now part of a mighty big family much bigger than the one that you may have given up or When you counted the cost of following Jesus, you didn't realise that you were going to inherit such a generous group of people. So you may have given up property, you may have given up houses, cars, whatever. How many more houses, cars, hospitality, blessings have you received from the church of God, from the people of God? So the problem for this man and the problem for us too is that we can trust in our riches. We can say well I'm pretty good. God's blessed me. God's obviously very pleased with the way I live my life but we need to understand that that's not God's will. God wants us to live he wants us to live quiet and humble lives. He doesn't want us to amass wealth That's not what it's all about. And like this man, it's not about what we can do either. Even good things, even good things don't get us credit in heaven for salvation purposes. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man should boast. So, receiving God's kingdom can't be earned. It's a gift. The next section deals with verses 32 to 34. And we recognise, of course, that Jesus is on a mission here. He's on his way, the scripture says. He's on his way. Which direction is he walking? He's walking towards Jerusalem. That's where all the danger is. The disciples knew that and Jesus certainly knew that. Jesus is on a mission. And later in scripture in 1 John 4 and verse 14, it says, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son... To be the saviour of the world. He has sent the son to be the saviour of the world and the disciples couldn't get it. They couldn't get it but Jesus predicts his death even a third time and it's later recorded for us when the gospels came to be. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way And the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. They were astonished at Jesus' teaching and they were afraid because they seemed to be going in the wrong direction. They seemed to be heading towards where the danger is and not away from it. So certainly the disciples would have been concerned about Jesus and his fate and if they were like me I would have been pretty concerned about my fate as well. Cindy read what was going to happen to Jesus and Jesus had to make it clear that when these things happened later they would be able to remember they would be able to remember that this was always God's plan to secure your salvation and mine. In Isaiah chapter 50, written approximately 800 years before Jesus even came to this earth, Isaiah 50 says that the servant, the suffering servant, would set his face like a flint. Sharp direction directed. Set his face like a flint is the figure of speech That the scripture uses here to describe the prophet the precious the prophet here is describing the precious saviour the messiah and his unwavering determination to persevere in the excruciating task that was set before him christ would endure terrible humiliation On his journey to the cross to die for our sins it says I offered my back to those who beat me my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting the exact words that Jesus uses for the pain that was set before him And for the pain that was set before him he endured it because he looked beyond it and saw the joy of his church in Hebrews chapter 12 and starting from verse 1 it starts to talk about how the Christian life is described as a race your life is described as a race if you're following Jesus and to run well It's clear, just like running in the Olympics, we must lay aside everything that hinders us from running well. And there are things that do hinder us, they weigh us down. They're like a burden that causes us not to live how we should live. We need to consider those things in our lives that distract or pull us away, pull us off the course nothing worse than if you're in a race you get pulled off the course and the course for us is towards holiness being separate from the world and like Jesus the third section talks about what we spoke about last week and it talks about the cost of discipleship the cost of discipleship And James and John come up to Jesus and they make a very uh, strange request of him. I think they must have had some confidence in themselves and thought, well, we've been going with Jesus for a while now. I think we're good. I think we're friends. And they go up to Jesus and say, we've got a favour. We've got something that we want to ask you and we want you to consider this. And Jesus says what do you want me to do for you and they ask something as Cindy read out they wanted one of them to be on God's right hand and one of them to be on God's left hand in glory they wanted to be esteemed so high in glory but they had wrong thinking about God's economy and that to be the first you had to put yourself last and if you're going to go around in life and regard yourself as pretty good you want to be first you want to be ahead of the line you want to be in the best positions you want to have all the possessions then you're going to be humbled and when Jesus is talking about the cup that he's going to drink and he asked can you drink the cup I'm going to drink they didn't understand that Jesus was referring to his suffering when Jesus said can you be baptised with the same baptism as me they didn't understand because they said that they could but they didn't realise that Jesus was referring to his death A little later they learned that a consistent, sincere lifestyle of putting others first while placing their own desires and ambitions on hold for the benefit of the Kingdom was the path to true greatness. I hope we can learn that lesson before it gets too painful. It's about humility, it's about service, serving one another. fourth section refers to spiritual and physical blindness because in this passage that we've read so far, there's a few people, even the disciples, that are still a little bit blind, aren't they? But here's a man with physical blindness who would have heard all about Jesus. Do you know, he had never seen one of Jesus' miracles. The blind man that we talk about here, Bartimaeus, never saw one of Jesus' miracles. Why didn't he see them? Because he was blind. But he'd heard about them, he'd heard about what Jesus was doing and I suspect that uh, he had also an inkling of who this man was. The man running to Jesus, the rich man, didn't seem to fully understand who he was running to a good teacher maybe but not the Son of God the disciples were with Jesus a long time but did they fully understand what they were doing or why they were going all the way back to Jerusalem and yet I suspect that this man Bartimaeus had an inkling of who this was. He would sit by the roadside begging and he would hear a lot of murmurings and he would ask lots of questions no doubt and Jesus didn't forget him. Jesus didn't forget him. Jesus asked this man a very similar question to what he asked James and John. He said what do you want me to do for you and the blind man said I want to see go Jesus said your faith has healed you immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road do you notice that this man could have said I've got to go home I haven't I've got to tell my family about this I've got to show my household about this I'm a different man but no He followed Jesus, the exact outcome that Jesus wanted from the rich man, that he might understand who Jesus was, that he might be willing to give up everything, to give up that one thing. Perhaps this man Bartimaeus after hearing about Jesus, about hearing about all the miracles would be familiar with Isaiah chapter 61. The prophet Isaiah speaks of the Messiah, the coming Messiah, and his, his prophecy would have been read in the synagogue. And when he came, maybe Bartimaeus would open. Uh, His eyes one day, it was a hope, it was a dream. He had heard that Jesus had opened the eyes of a blind man, already recorded for us in the Gospels. And with keen spiritual insight, maybe he came to believe that Jesus must be the Messiah. And from that day, maybe Bartimaeus had become... A disciple, even before coming face to face with Jesus. And in John chapter 20 and verse 29, it says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So is it possible that Bartimaeus believed in Jesus even though he had never seen him? I think it is. So there's a challenge for us. There's a challenge for people who have um, got on the live stream today. Many of us here I recognise as faithful brothers and sisters. But maybe there are some people here today. Maybe there are people that have come and realise that they don't share that same strong faith in the Messiah, in Bartimaeus. Maybe they're relying on their good deeds, their good nature. So are you spiritually blind as well? I believe that there are many people that we come across on a regular basis that are trying to be good, but they're spiritually blind. We've all heard of what Jesus did. We've all heard of his virgin birth. Many other people that have grown up in Sunday school have heard of his sinless life, his miracles. His death for you on the cross we have an inkling about what the celebration around Easter time is all about we've even heard that there have been many proofs that he was alive and that he indeed did indeed raise from the dead and show himself to many people many many witnesses and now has ascended at the right hand of God you've heard Of all that Christ did so that you could be forgiven and cleansed of your sin and adopted as a child into his family but maybe there are people out there maybe there are people that are listening right now that have never really trusted in Christ alone by faith alone how is it that you have not given sufficient thought To God's grace and kindness and patience towards you how is it that you've been content to remain in spiritual darkness instead of coming to the light of the world so when I read the beginning of this passage I read of this young man running up to Jesus and falling at his knees I'm encouraged I'm thinking this guy's got it this guy's got a bit of an inkling of who Jesus is I think and Jesus says you lack one thing I'm thinking wow this guy's so close he's so close and there are people in this world that have been so close they've tasted the good things of God they've been in churches they've known Christians they've been so close But when they realise you give up everything for Jesus all to Jesus I surrender sometimes that's just way too much for a lot of people way too much last week we heard from Thomas that we need to do whatever it takes to deal with the sin in our lives we can't have Jesus and have all our sin as well We need to forsake the sin and god is patient with us he will work in us and through us he is patient with us but we need to deal with whatever it is like in the race in the running race we need to cast off everything we need to put everything aside including the sin including the sin but sometimes it's not just sin it can be good stuff we can be doing good works good deeds but it's hindering us from really serving the lord so what are you prepared to cut out of your life to surrender all to jesus do whatever it takes and jesus used the analogy even if it's your right arm that's causing you to sin whatever that is in your life you probably know what it is but whatever it is you need to cut it off because it's better to have whatever that is not part of your life and enter heaven even without that thing which could be, as I said before, in human terms a good thing but it's hindering your relationship with God we need to count the cost count the cost I'm going to pray now And I hope you will bow your heads with me Heavenly Father we thank you for your scripture we thank you that this word has come down through many generations even into our own generation and in our own mother tongue that we can understand your great plan like the disciples of old we uh, came to you not knowing anything we were blind and wretched and poor we hadn't seen any of your miracles we didn't know anything but you stepped in you softened our hearts to receive the true word. the true word we thank you for your gospel this message of love and acceptance we thank you that our salvation is not by works but it's by grace It's by the love of God. We thank you, Lord, that uh, this gift is for everyone who believes. We thank you, Father, for the testimony of Bartimaeus, who was willing to put his trust and faith in you and to follow you all the days of his life. Help us to follow Jesus, to listen to your still, small voice and to be obedient to you to lift you up and to cast ourselves down, we must become less and you must become greater, even in our own lives. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.